Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Cup Interviews. My name is Jillian Robinson. I am the associate producer here at Cup of Hemlock Theater, and I will be your host for today. And today we have an extraordinary guest. I am so excited to jump into jump into this conversation. Um, she is the uh, co-artistic director of Afterlife Theater Co., uh, she's doing some solo things. She is landing all of the grants. She's doing wonderful projects in our community. I'm here with Carly Billings. How are you doing, Carly? Hey, hi, hello. Thanks, Jillian. That's what an intro. I'm doing really well. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> we are so excited to have you. Um, so I guess we'll just get right into it and we'll start off with our usual icebreaker. What is in your cup today, Carly? Oh my goodness. Well, I have myself a large tumbler uh, mm-hmm. full of black iced coffee because I love me some black coffee and I prefer my coffee on ice. Love uh, it. If it's six feet of snow outside, which there is right now, uh, or if it's, you know, dead of summer, iced coffee all day, every day. Love it. Love it, love it. I'm also a huge fan of black coffee too. So we got mm. similar tastes there. Um, I am drinking out of our cup cup. I just have some green tea black as well but not just some green tea kind of have the the winter sludgies going on I kind of want to you know green tea is where it's at right now so yeah very relatable very relatable (laughs) totally okay so tell us about yourself Carly uh how did you get into theater um what are some themes and topics that are maybe present in your work the floor is yours yeah oh gosh well um I've always this is gonna be weird but I've always been into theater I don't know how to not perform the pictures of me as like a two-year-old posing like very drama like I don't know how to not how to not perform I've been doing shows for my family you know I was one of those kids like come watch me dance and I would just turn on you know like maybe aqua barbie girl and just oh, make my yeah. parents sit on the couch and dance um also growing up uh one of my very best friends her name's also Carly Carly with an E and our sisters uh my sister and her sister all four of us we'd put on like seasons of shows so like one year we did annie which like sang to the soundtrack we we're like we we're doing annie we did like mamma mia we did like a variety show on time so like i've never not been a performer because i just don't know how not to be i uh yeah i just find such joy in it i there was my very first community theater show that i ever did when i was in like grade five it was Snow white and seven dwarves and i played a dwarf and i was small and in grade five and uh, I had a tea leaf beard, like a beard that was Vaseline, and then they stuck tea leaves to it, and it was ear to ear. Some people had like a mustache or like a little like goatee. No, I had like an ear to ear extravaganza. Yeah, and I remember at one point the director was like, "Carly, like that seems like a lot. Are you?" I'm like, "I love it." I was like, "Yes." Uh, so, and in my bio in that show, I had the line. I'll never forget this. It was the last line of my bio, and it was, "Carly just wants to make people laugh." And so that is still the truest thing in my yeah. my my art and how I feel about art uh, to this day. It's like the one constant is that I just want my people laugh. I want them to have a good time. Um, yeah. So I do a lot of uh, storytelling. Is kind of where I've landed. My younger years, I did a lot of musical theater. I did a lot of uh, performing. I went to U Ottawa and I got. Uh, and a degree in theater in French immersion because I couldn't, I've always been in French immersion since I was a kid. So I was like, might as well do it for four more years. Uh, and it was fun. <laughs> and 
So I, I've done a, yeah, a lot of different theater disciplines. I mean, I think all theater is theater no matter, like, if it's musical theater, if it's like theater theater, if it's dance, like it's theater, it's all theater at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, but it's opera. I'm not into like, I'm not into labels. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> right. There's so much, there's so much uh, intertwined, you know, mm-hmm. practices. And uh, yeah. So I have been doing a lot of, uh, I've been lucky to recently, uh, the last couple of years, been doing a lot of my own work, like uh, been like self-producing and writing a lot with Patrick and a lot with Shasta Life. We've been lucky to do that. And uh, also, yeah, on my own a little bit too. And it's been really weird. I always, and I, and I live uh, in Hamilton, which is the city I grew up in. And it's also the traditional land of my people, the Mississaugas of the Credit. And it's also the sister hometown to my grandparents' hometown in Italy. So it's very, like, lots of deep, deep roots. Um, but I always thought growing up, I would probably have to move somewhere else to do what I loved. I was always, my mindset going, going into post-secondary and, and whatnot was, oh, I have to travel a lot to be a performer and be an actor, which is true a lot of times on contracts and things. But I was like, oh, but I can't be here. I also should probably be based somewhere else. I can't make a home, make a artistic practice, make a life here. Um, though this is where my heart, my heart has been. So this past, these past couple of years have taught me, no, that's not true. You can be and do and be wherever you want as well. So I've been uh, really lucky in that as well. Love that, and I can't wait. We're gonna crack open some of the some of the little tidbits of info you just leaked about all the projects Ooh. and stuff you've had down the line. <laughs> and you did mention Patrick, and so yes, a callback to an interview we did at the end of last year. Um, we did an interview with Patrick Teach, who's a dear friend of mine, a past castmate of mine, and also is the co-artistic director with you at Afterlife Theater Co. So Patrick kind of got all of our viewers, listeners up to speed of what afterlife is all about, but I kind of want to hear about it from your side as well. And also like, what is it, how is it being in an artistic leadership position at this time? And as you mentioned, Hamilton is where you're from and where you've done some work and you're also in Toronto. So what's it like operating a bi-city company? Lots to go on there. The floor is yours. (laughs) Oh gosh. Um, well, I, wow, what an exciting opportunity. Just talking is my favorite pastime. But I, <laughs> um, it's really an interesting thing. Um, it's funny that when you pose this question, yeah, that what it feels like being in a leadership position, I was like, I, le- I guess it is. Like, and, and it is, but I, sometimes it's, our cohort is so small. Sometimes it still feels like playtime with pals. Like yeah. Patrick and I have been, we've been, like our artistic collaborators over a decade, but we've been friends just as long, like best friend just as long. And it's really interesting uh, having a working relationship. But for Patrick and I, it's always, our relationship has always kind of been that way, where we've always bounced ideas off one another. We've always been kind of sounding boards um, throughout our throughout our growing as artists and as people. And yeah, it still sometimes feels like playtime with pals, especially when we brought other folks on. Um, but when we brought other folks on for projects, that's kind of been like, oh, like maybe there's, we do have a little something to offer. And, uh, sometimes though, when it's just Patrick and I, uh, there's a lot of admin work and behind the scenes work that goes into producing independent theater. 
And sometimes it does feel a little like working for less than you're worth or looking, right. working a little less, like for a little less than we should be. But that's all, some of, you know, growing pains and things like that as well. And it's, yeah, it's weird, I'd say, being in an interest in the leadership position right now. Uh, everything that we've done as Afterlife Leader has been online. It's, uh, yeah, which was a really interesting time to start a theater company in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, when we finally had a chance to had a chance to slow down and you know kind of make the choice to to invest in ourselves and in work we we knew that we believed in and wanted to do and yeah it still feels weird. it still feels a little uh, imposter syndrome like <laughs> my own theater camp, I don't have that but how can I me little me I don't, I don't know anything but it's uh, you you realize that. With every, well, at least for me, I know that I know more this year than I did last year. And I know that the work that we're making now is exactly where we want to be and where we want to go. And so, yeah, being in a leadership position is very weird, but also very rewarding. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you about starting up, uh, you know, Cup of Hemlock also started in the middle of the pandemic too. and, And there's so many pivots and especially from going in person and then going online and going in person in the whole hybrid environment. Yeah, there's definitely choices to be made, conversations to be had, but um, just gauging who you are and knowing who Patrick is too, like what a stellar team to bounce these these decisions and uh, projects off of. And um, yeah, like I'm, I'm so stoked to see what After Nightmare Co is doing. <laughs> Um, and we will always keep keep on our pages what you folks are up to there because it's it is some really great work. Um, so you talked a little bit about too about um, the operating the by city the by city right like so Hamilton yeah. and Toronto. So um, I guess just briefly maybe touching on that and like maybe with future projects, do you think you'll always have a foot in each city or yeah? Absolutely. Um, I think the. Thing with us being a biased theater company and, and putting that kind of forefront of one of the one of our identities, I think is exciting. Um, but it's also been weird because we've been mostly online, so it feels like our we're kind of borderless right now. Right. Um, but it's it, it's always been important to us. We're both from Hamilton in the Hamilton area, and Patrick will say he's from Milgrove, but Milgrove is part of Hamilton. Oh, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hear it for that. Um, but, <laughs> but also fun. Um, I'm based in Hamilton and Patrick is in Toronto. And so to us, it feels also really organic because that's just where we are. Yeah. So I don't foresee us being based anywhere else based on who we are as people, mm-hmm. but should, um, you know, life and work take us elsewhere, I, it's very possible after life will move with us. Right. But the roots that we've been putting down have been consistently, even throughout our oh, careers as artists and not even with Afterlife, have, have been in Hamilton and Toronto and a few other places too, but uh, most concretely in Toronto and in Hamilton. And I mean, I, as a Hamilton artist, I'm no stranger of going back and forth, of like mm-hmm. living in between, like going every week for improv class and coming home and, and going for auditions and coming back and meetings and, you know, and it's, this new like Zoom tech world that we're living in has made things a little less borderless. So right. running a, a by city theater company right now feels like running, I guess what I only I would know is a regular theater company. It's one totally. 
Well, and yeah. you bring something really interesting to the forefront of these companies who have sort of um, originated during the pandemic and sort of, right, have their home has just been in like digital cyberspace. You mm-hmm. kind of nonchalantly mentioning, you know, if Patrick or my life, like we it kind of takes us elsewhere, maybe somewhere else in the country or somewhere else in the world, the theater company will come with you. And that's just such an interesting concept to bring to the table too, because you know, up until the pandemic, right? Like a company's usually erected in a city and it's sort of its legacy is rooted there and there only. So um, the idea of, yeah, the roving sort of flexibility that could come with with a digital, an OG digital theater company, it's so fascinating, yeah, to think of. But um, I love that, that, yeah, Hamilton is is a core of both who you and Patrick are and that's that's part of the company and totally agree with the sort of ping ponging pin ponging back and forth to to Toronto to wherever you're at that is that is the life um okay so yeah so you talked a lot about how you have been kind of this feeling of borderlessness with the company and an extraordinary opportunity is actively happening now until February 22nd. That's, is that correct? Great. Yes. So before, before I get ahead of myself. So um, one of Afterlife Theatre Co.'s awesome projects that they have upcoming and happening now is uh, the opportunity for your show that uh, just happened in the past Hamilton Fringe. It's, uh, it was called, It's a Beautiful Day for Brunch and to Arrest the Cops That Killed Brianna Taylor. And you all just got a spot in a festival called the Living Record Festival 22, which is in the UK. So a digital festival for um, this show to be presented in the UK. So that's massive. Talk about Borderless. We're going across the pond now. Um, Tell us all about that. Like how, where did you, how did you get that opportunity? Yeah. Tell us all about it. Totally. So yeah, it's really weird. Um, I we we were we've been looking for a place for this show to live at least for a little while, and hopefully we'll find a, a more permanent place for it to live. But we're really excited uh, that it's part of Living Festival right now. And Living Festival is a grassroots digital theater uh, festival in the UK. And the way that we came across it is, I was uh, <laughs> I was surfing. Eventotron, which is where you know when you sign up for fringes, lots of fringes use this portal called Eventotron, mm-hmm. and different events, arts events, use this portal to so you can submit your work. Uh, and I just having a class, it was like Living Record Festival. What? Okay, what is this? And it was really low stakes for us in that they were they're so kind and it's so uh, community and grassroots that it's like apply and and uh it's like doesn't cost you anything kind of thing and you just have to maybe uh put in a little deposit so that you know you can hold your spot but then you get that back in your revenue and it was very i was like this is very awesome this is very cool and very felt very current and it was i I thought well we already have a show we've already done the work um might as well like get it to a wider and bigger audience and it really feels weird uh when I, i hadn't thought about when, when we applied, I was like, great, another digital festival. It'll live on the internet, and the internet is its own place. But I hadn't, cons- like, I didn't really think about, oh, this is a UK debut. This is, like, our yeah. internet, which it technically is. But because the internet is such a borderless place, there's yeah. also so many other wonderful works in this festival that are uh, across the world. Theater companies from all over and uh, projects from all over. And it's it's really 
yeah, it feels, it's very weird. It's still a weird, surreal feeling. Um, and I'm just like, wait, I have a shoe running right now. And I'm just getting to sit here and talking to you, which is a joy. And I'm like, it's, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> yeah, it's totally the digital sphere is still so like, we've been in it for over a year now, like as a company, but it still feels so new. Um, mm. And so exciting. So yeah, every time I just stop and think, wait, someone could be watching our show right now. What? Uh, but yeah. And the whole festival is digital, right? Like everything is okay. Yeah. See that, that is so, such an awesome space for global community. Like another brilliant, you know, there, there haven't been many silver linings over the last couple of years, but one of them definitely is like connection beyond your, your scope, like beyond your tiny sphere. Right. And wow, that's, yeah, that's, that's so exciting. Um, And do they have, do you know if there's like, um, even though it's all digitized, like, do they have any in-person sort of events or booths going in the UK alongside this festival or? Sure. So I know, I know that um, some of the shows are live, like digital. Oh, great. Um, I do believe they have, they have a hub in in the UK where um, they operate out of. I'm not sure about uh, in-person uh, yeah. events right now especially with uh, everything changed so quickly uh in the past month so it's it's hard to keep up with but it's uh it's seeming like it's it's being received really well the festival as a whole once again it was received really well uh in, uh, in the past and first year that it was happening so it's Great. really um exciting yeah there's there's shows from all across the world shows from the u.s shows from us shows from the uk shows from yeah all over and it's just such a a beautiful thing and for us it's uh exciting to hopefully try it out in a, like a new market and see what resonates yeah. with folks because we're for us this isn't the uh last version of this show either we are we actually just received a uh an OEC recommender grant uh from tottering biped to take this show and turn it into uh, a bit of a you know for the first steps to turn it into an in-person uh, oh great like show yeah like traditional kind of show and uh yeah so it's very it's very weird um exciting to still be able to have this piece with uh, absolutely see new faces exciting you have to keep us abreast of what happens with tottering biped uh and obviously like i said we will we will keep audiences up to date with that too and uh yeah i had the opportunity of seeing um uh, brunch? Do you and Patrick refer to it as brunch sometimes? Yeah, it's. I mean, I'm, I, yeah, absolutely. It's just, okay. That's just my, it's a I mean, I've, I've only seen it once. I'm like, can I call it brunch? Like, am I am I allowed to call it brunch? Um, but we we had a. Go ahead, go. Brunch or beautiful day? Like sometimes the, the shorter <laughs> phrases of that. That's right. Funny. Um, but I had the opportunity of seeing uh, the show in the Hamilton Fringe and it was stunning, like something everyone should be seeing now. Um, yeah, the, the dramaturgical choices, um, the, the whole using, knowing that it was sort of to be like a Zoom piece of theater and um, how the piece sort of fit right into this digital medium that so many people were still not accustomed to. I just thought it, it married itself wonderfully to the Zoom platform. Um, it, the imagery was stunning. The, the verbatim text was absolutely perfectly executed. 
Um, yeah, it was so good. I, I'm pretty sure I talked with Patrick for like three hours one afternoon post watching it because as many people probably know from watching our reviews, I am a dramaturgical nerd. I can go on and on and on about, and that definitely is a piece that like people won't, you can, I can still to this day can't stop talking about it. And it's different ideas and different things that are, um, sussed out. And yeah, so definitely folks, we will post any links to this living record festival so that you can tune in as well happening until February 22nd. Um, and I, I, I look forward to just seeing the more legs it gets as time goes on for sure. Um, you. so you're welcome. Of course. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Uh, so yes. Yeah, so you mentioned the G word grants. So we're going to, we're going to kind of go into grant land. And also I want to pivot us um, to you, to you as an artist. So um, as you've kind of been mentioning, grants and funding have been successfully popping up on your end um, for afterlife theater, but also as an individual performer. So um, you were one of four BIPOC artists to be chosen in Hamilton for part of the garden project. Now, the Garden Project was an initiative by Industry and Porchlight Theater. And if viewers, listeners remember, about a year and a half ago, our Ryan Barakovich interviewed Aaron Jan, who was in one of the leadership positions of the Garden Project, and mentioned how they were selecting four BIPOC artists to be um, a part of the Garden Project. And you were one of them, uh, which is so exciting. Now, like everything's going full circle. Um, and it was to perform your solo show, Meatless Loaf. So I want to hear all about Meatless Loaf and uh, how you came into the opportunity with Garden Project. Sure. Uh, first off, big fan of Aaron Jan. Uh, I, he's somebody I've known, uh, as long as I've known Patrick, actually, we all were in high school musical together. I think of ah. as young, as young babies. Cute. Uh, yeah. So we were, uh, <laughs> we go way back, but I, yeah, it is like truly one of the most exciting experiences. Um, the garden project uh, is a grant that just is a bit of seed money to getting a new artistic piece off the ground. And there's also an incredible uh, element where I've been lucky enough to have a mentor as well um, on this project for a little while, uh, Michaela Washburn, who's one of the most incredible, um, incredible artists. And yeah, it's so uh, the Garden Project has been happening so far for two years. It happened uh, the very first year was the year that Aaron was uh, a guest. And then I was chosen as uh, one of the four artists last year. And so uh, my piece that I'm still working on is called Meatless Loaf. It's part storytelling, part culinary adventure. I like to call it the tasting menu of searching for who you are. It kind of uh, goes into my thoughts and feelings on my, my identities as indigenous and Italian uh, person. And it's uh, like a lot around family and food and sharing and uh, it's really exciting. And so I, yeah, I am still speechless that the garden, the, the garden project was like, yes, you and your words should do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been such a ride and it's still, it's still ongoing. The, the door that this opportunity has opened for me has been like, I cannot count the blessings that have come from it. And yeah, it's so, so lucky. And the thing about it too, though, is I applied for it the very first year that it was uh, a thing, which was in 2020, and I didn't get it. 
And then I almost, and then I was like, I started posting for it again in 2021. I thought, well, maybe I should apply. Like, mm-hmm. I'll take this because it, 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 I thought it was the same project. I was like, well, it's kind of come far, farther in my brain. And uh, I was like, maybe, maybe I'll apply this time. And sure enough, they were like, yes. So it just goes to show that's one of my, one of my things is like, I love hearing success stories that aren't a first try. I love yes. hearing success stories of folks that were an alternate of like, yep. you know, you know, they originally cast this person, but then this person did it. And now they're, it's their thing they're known for. And it's because it just goes to show that like talent is limitless and uh-huh. like, it's not always that you're not good enough or you're not good enough or it's uh, usually just not the right place, right time kind of thing. And yeah, so I just wanted to mention that because I was like, I didn't get it my first try. And then my second yeah. try, it's been a, the, the gift that keeps giving. And I've been so lucky. Uh, so, so lucky. I totally follow that same sort of mantra too. Like I, I am a firm believer, like what is for you won't go past you. So there's, yeah, there's reasons for getting certain things. There's reasons for not there's, yeah. And it's, it honestly, it's time and place of where you're at, of where, you know, projects, opportunities are at. And like, wow, look, look at you now. <laughs> now it's raining. It's pouring. It's pouring all these wonderful, oh wonderful goodness. things. Um, great. So, so you said your, your show is still sort of in the works. Um, is there, do you have like uh sort of like a, a digital home for it? Will it be in person? Um, is it kind of going to be like a, a, a work in progress for some time now, or, or do you have some plans concrete? Um, I think it's going to be a work in progress for the first doable now, which is not really an answer. Um, but <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to be a fully digital piece. If it, if it does end up being a digital piece, it'll be an interactive digital piece. It might be like a cook at home along with me kind of piece. Um, but if it's in person, which is where I think it's actually heading, um, is it's going to be, I think, a little bit until it's, it's seen. But um, maybe if I get to working, that's a good reminder. Carly, get working. Uh, get writing. <laughs> get organizing. No, no, don't rush the creative process. <laughs> but yes, but again, we'll keep our eyes peeled as as things go go on that's that is so lovely so exciting and uh yeah like a, again a shout out to Aaron Jan and the, a lot of Hamilton peeps were representing today love it Hamilton's <laughs> coming out um yeah this this is so great so so great um okay so in in the whole grant land still I'm going to pivot us back to Afterlight Theater Co so um you and you mentioned that you and Patrick have received some recommender grants from the Ontario Arts Council. Um, and this is for a new show that your company sort of has in the works. Are you allowed to tell us a little bit about that show? You don't have to, sure. but I'm going to just say it anyway. I'm excited to know, but you don't have to tell us. <laughs> yeah, I can, uh, I can give a little peek behind the curtain a little bit away. Cool. Um, our show is called Uninvited Guest. And it commended by Studio 180, a Native Earth Performing Arts. Um, and we are so grateful, so lucky, uh, like beyond wildest dreams kind of feelings about it. And it the show calls into question the practice of land acknowledgements, uh, basically oftentimes uh, shining a light on their emptiness. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to give away too much more, but it, it's very much in that kind of vein. 
um, yeah. Great. Okay. Again, adding it to the list of things <laughs> to keep our eyes peeled for. Um, that's so exciting. Congratulations to you Thank and Patrick. You. Um, you're a bit of like a, a grant professional, a, a, a grant connoisseur, if you may. Um, I so guess. <laughs> while we're on that, that train of thought, um, can you talk a bit about grant writing? I think this like is an aspect of the industry. All of us as artists, regardless if you are a performer, if you are a playwright, um, yeah, this, this is, this is something that we do in our career to, to get funding. Um, and it's, it's sometimes difficult. So I think we benefit you touching on it because you're, you're, you're skyrocketing with grants right now. Oh gosh. Yeah. I'd be happy to talk about it. Um, because I, in the past, have also thought like, how do people get them? How do they, like, yeah. I'm out here like thinking mm, maybe I should get them. How, how, you know, it's one of my favorite things, uh, recently to talk about because people don't talk about it. Like mm. art can't get made if there's not money. Yep artists to live from because that's how our world works so of course we have to find the money and money often comes in the form of grants especially here in Canada that's like how 90% of art gets made um it's not by private funding or something it's by grants and it's wild and grants are hard grants are tough grants can beat you down and it feels bad a lot of the time to be like, I have this cool thing that I think the world needs. And I just want to do it and put it out there. But I have to put a price on it. Or I have to put, you know, the cart before the horse. One of my least favorite things about grant writing is a lot of times it feels like you have to ask folks and artists for something before you can actually give them something. Uh, in order to ask for, you know, in order to ask for a grant, you have to say, oh yeah, this project involves this person, this person, and then this person. Yeah. But but really, in reality, you've asked them to be a part of it, but you can't guarantee it, and it's, right. it feels kind of yucky sometimes. But yeah, that's just the kind of world we are in, and it takes some getting used to. But grants that get the money, grants that are successful, I find, are often grants that are specific, but not boring. This is going to sound a bit like a riddle, maybe. Specific, but not boring. Uh, <laughs> right. And, like, personal, but also can show the impact on the community and the folks right. involved. So it's, right. it's a bit of a balancing act. Yeah. Um, and as a Libra, I thought that was very inherent for me. But <laughs> it hasn't always been, because for the three that we recently won, there was 15 others sitting uh, in my computer with letters that said, no, thank you. And yeah. I said, okay. So yep. it, it is just a keep at it and you'll get better and better. And things that I found that are most important that maybe uh, I had omitted earlier in my grant writing days, which has been mostly like a while now, mm -hmm. uh, is, is things like letters of support. Like last year, say, for example, in a grant that we were not successful with, we applied to the OEC for a theater projects grant for, uh, for brunch. And we we were like, we're doing it at the fringe. We would like some help to pay our actors and things, uh, and to get you know good better equipment and things. Please help us. And then yeah. they we, we got a no. And it turns out we one of the things that we could have done that would have helped our 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 project grant was we could have had a letter from the fringe saying we were participating in the fringe. And I was like, what? Okay, I get like I had not even considered 
right. that the fringe should send should give me a letter so I can like a permission slip like look mom says I can go on the trip uh and I hadn't considered that that was an option or that even was needed yeah and so going forward and I am trying to check all my boxes with um not only showing what's needed but backing it up with look but I have this thing from this yeah. person that says absolutely yes Right. And uh, so just the more it's like grants like, take time. My first few grants, I was like, I got this. Like I, I can do it in a week and it's good. And sometimes you can if you have, you know, all your ducks in a row already, already done the work. But if you're starting fresh, that's yeah. a lot of it's a lot of work. And uh, yeah, again, like keep trying. That's really mm-hmm. just that's my thing in general. I'm like, oh, I'll just try again, maybe. Yeah. And if it doesn't feel good to try again, then don't. Maybe there's something else to try. Right. Um, but yeah, grant writing is also something I find. And, and I mean, the reason that it's so tough and competitive in the first place is because there's not enough funding. But like, that, let's get that out of the way as well. Like, there's just yeah. not enough funding for the arts. We all know this, probably. But also, it, it begs being sad. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The OAC funding, I'm pretty sure, has the demand has increased. Like. 300% in the past 10 years, but the funding has not increased one, right. $1. So it's just, uh, it's a lot, but don't let that deter you. You you know, all, your project is valid, you're valid. And just because you get a no, doesn't mean that it's bad. It means maybe you could do some tweaking and right. tightening. And, um, yeah. And then, and you mentioning yeah. too, like we don't, we don't talk about it often. Like everyone talks like about it, doing it for their set projects, but, but just getting in a space and, you know, reaching out maybe to folks who have gotten themselves a couple grants and kind of doing what we're doing now of like, can you, can you give me some tips and tricks or just like a, a bit of a cheat sheet before I dive into my first grant or what have you, right? Like, cause yes. I, again, bringing up Aaron Jan, I remember Aaron at the end of his interview had said, you know, tap me if you want to talk about grant writing. He, oh. He's like, I don't know why I'm good at it, but I'm good at it. And, and it's, and it's great. It's these types of conversations where if we are supporting each other in, in each of, each of our installments sort of getting funding. Um, yeah, I think it comes, comes full circle. Like we have to support each other in order, in order for success to be had. Right. So this is awesome. Absolutely. I know I have, I have like a little, a cheat sheet now. I'm like, okay, thank you, Carly, for all of these, <laughs> for future projects. <laughs> Yeah, um, and it's it's interesting too because I learned a lot of what I do know now from from Aaron Jam. Also, uh, he has he has a wonderful presentation. If you're yeah. you know really lost and, and this advice is not enough advice, which to be fair, it's just off off my brain. Maybe right, it's right. not. Um, but yeah, like it's it's such a it's such a process, and some people are just very good at it. And also, you get better at it as you go, and the more you do it. And yeah, Aaron is so incredibly knowledgeable. I'm like, and yeah, what a resource. But yeah, it's the grants. Wow, the big one. Can't, and it, can't, and live, it does, with can't live without them. <laughs> right. And, and it almost does, like, it does o- occupy half of your brain. Like, especially, I'd imagine if you do have, like, a piece that's still in the works and you know you want to put it up. I, therefore, you know you need, you know you're going to need funding. You know you're going to need location to put it up. Then, like, half of your brain sort of, Right. Like has to kind of have administrative helmet on as well as creative helmet. Um, and it, yeah, it can make for long days. And it's like, you don't, you don't have the money 
to sort of block off part-time job hours for the grant writing. It's kind of is your own sweat and tears until until the grant money comes, right? So it's hard work. Yeah. It's totally hard work. And that's another thing that I also think that I didn't know uh, getting into this industry until I was already in it is we all wear a lot of hats. Like mm-hmm. my closet, full of hats. So many different times. Some yeah. have sparkles, some don't. Once as director, you know, like yeah, all, yeah, yeah. there's so many different roles we all play. And a lot of times being someone who's an independent producer, an independent uh, artist right now, a lot of the making of your art is not making of your art. It's trying to find ways to make it feasible to make it, which yeah. is, yeah, really wild. Right. But wonderful yeah, it, too. Yeah. It is something, yeah, like little Carly, little Jill who had dreams and aspirations. It's like, this is where when you do kind of choose to go this avenue, this is the work part of it, right? Or like the way, yeah, of of getting the ball rolling. Um, But, you know, yeah, wearing those glitter hats every once in a while, you got to, you got to revel in the glitter hats. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Okay. Well, this, this has been extraordinary, Carly. Like I, I love, I love that we got to meet. I love that our viewers and listeners have heard so many awesome um, opportunities coming down the line. Um, and you're, you're not going away anytime soon. Like, like I said, our cup of hemlock pages are going to be filled. Um, so yeah. So with, with everything that you've done recently and everything upcoming, uh, where can we keep up with it all? What, what would you like to plug with us today? Oh, oh gosh. Well, uh, pretty much everything that I do can be found somewhere somehow through my website, www.carlyannabillings.com. If you're, if you're a website person, if you're more of a social media person, uh, I'm at Ms. Carly Billings on everything. And uh, I also have a podcast of my own, which is another storytelling thing that I like to do. Uh, and it's called Ghosts Are Everywhere. So if you are interested in, in comedy, it's a spooky comedy podcast. And if you're interested in, in laughing and, and weirdness, then maybe that's uh, that's a show for you. And of course, Afterlife Theater is at Afterlife Theater. Uh, and yeah, it's, that's about all I think that I do. But who Great. knows? I got lots of hats and uh, I love to wear them. So. Yes. <laughs> Moral of the <laughs> story. <laughs> I'm so glad to wear my invisible death hat today. So, oh, yes. <laughs> Okay, well, that, that's a wonderful cap. That's a wonderful cap off to, to the episode. Um, thank you. Thank you so, so much again for spending this time with us uh, here at Cup of Hemlock. We're so lucky to have you. Um, as always, folks, uh, like, share, subscribe, um, and we will make sure to put all of Carly's tags in the video descriptions. And yeah, stay safe, stay warm. It's very cold out there, especially when this interview is going up. Um, and we will see everyone next time. Cheers. Bye, y'all.